Hello, everybody. I'm going to switch it up a little bit and talk about our guest at the beginning of the episode, because why the fuck not? Uh, so in this episode, I'm talking to my longtime friend. Uh, we have known each other since ooh, we were nine, I believe. Uh, Kira Campbell. And she is a board-certified hypnotherapist. She's a certified personal trainer and yoga instructor, a meditation guide, and just an overall wonderful, beautiful soul. Uh, so I hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. As we begin to reintegrate into the world post-lockdown, we're confronted with the fact that our lives are not the same as they were before 2020. And with that comes the realization that a lot of us have to relearn, rebuild, and restart. Struggling to do so myself, I wondered how other people are able to rise from the ashes of crumbled moments throughout their lifetime. I'm Rebecca Lee, and this is season two. How the fuck did you bounce back? Kira, thank you so, so much for doing this. Uh, you are officially my longest I want to say like oldest friend but you're not the oldest age you're we're the same age but you're the longest friend that I have because we met in fifth grade right yeah so that's like nine yeah it's crazy when you like have known someone longer than you haven't known them which has been a that for a while for us but like still oh. when you think about it you're like I've known you longer than I haven't known you yeah, for most of my life. Yeah, that's wild. Oh, well, so special. And also so leading special. up to this, the thought process was really sweet. Um, one of my thoughts with Theo, my son, I'm like, find a Becca. That's in my head. I don't tell him this, but I'm like, find a Becca, find someone you can be weird with and play off of and who won't judge you for any of that stuff and keep your Becca for as long as you can. Oh. That. that's gonna make me cry I love that also we started I would I would I think that we started the first podcast ever in the form of <laughs> yeah, yeah we did we were born for this we were born for this we like what what it was like a boom box that you could record and you could record in slow motion or <laughs> fast motion <laughs> And, and we always opted for slow motion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so we have somewhere, I don't know who <laughs> has it. There's a cassette tape of hours of me and Kira in slow motion, shooting the shit, talking about whatever, <sighs> like reading books in slow motion, like <laughs> singing songs. Yeah. We've always been doing this. And I bet, man, we've always been doing this. TikTok is like our platform. If there was TikTok when we were that age, we would have been master creators. All the, we've just always been doing weird shit. Yeah, we would have millions, millions of followers. And millions. now I have 500. <laughs> <laughs> I really I missed the curve. God. Yeah, we're getting there though. I guess uh, we're getting there. Yeah, um, thank you so much for joining me. Um, what is your, what are your like titles now in terms of profession? Hypnotherapist, unless I'm butchering that and that is right. Yeah. Yeah. No, hypnotherapist. I am also a personal trainer and I'm also <laughs> a what? private yoga instructor. Why did you <laughs> <But> my, <have? laughs> my brain, uh, before I say private, when I say private, it goes to private investigator. <laughs> I investigate privates. Everyone. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm a private uh, yoga instructor. So those things, personal training and yoga 
are like my side gigs now, whereas in the past they were my primary source. Okay. And so now it's hypnotherapy is like, is like the thing that you're, that you're mainly where your income's coming from. Yeah. 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 That I'm engaged in. Uh, yeah. Amazing. We'll get there, but let's start off by the question that I usually start every podcast with, which is, is there a low point in your life or a low season, a challenge, a struggle that you're most proud of over having overcome, or maybe you're currently overcoming it? And can you share that with us? Mm, yeah. First of all, having a podcast based around that is a huge resource to all of us. And thanks for having me on. I didn't get to say that before, but yeah. I'm so delighted to just have a conversation with you. Me too. Um, yeah, there's been a couple a couple low points and I think they are sprinkled throughout our lives, but there's some really notable ones once we start to come into this kind of uh, consciousness as an adult, which is really that like Saturn return area, like 27 to 30, 31, where just the cup of your life gets completely dumped out. And then you just, you have to figure it out. That time period was so tumultuous. And that was the first chance I got to notice, to notice how my tendency was to think, to like spend my life in my head, trying to think myself out of the problems. Think about what's next. I was teaching. um, So during that time period, I was in Portland and I'd been teaching spin classes and it was my dream job. I loved every part of that, but also I was working with 51 people at a time and I wanted to take it deeper. So almost throughout my entire twenties, I was on a stage, on a mic, growing up in front of 50 people at a time being like, how can I better serve you? Like how, how does this go deeper? And in high school, I got into psychology and that that turned into this deep love of psychosomatics. So yoga therapy and however that looked Qigong, but still it was like, what, what does this look like moving forward? What kind of education can I pursue that can, I don't know, deepen my offerings and bring me into more of a therapeutic setting. So I was like, do I want to be a psychotherapist? What kind of therapy do I want to pursue essentially? And, um, but I say that all lightly, but in my head, I was just so panicked. I was like, what am I doing? You know, I had a kid, I had my son at 26 and I just had this like internal friction of like, Hey, where am I going? Where do I need to be? What do I need to be doing? It was just so constant. Um, and I started writing a lot, journaling a lot and speaking a lot through all my classes. They, uh, I had this group of clients who were calling my classes, Dharma talks on a bike And I was like, that's really cute. But now I'm like, yeah, that's totally what it was. It was just figuring stuff out with these people. And it was so one-sided. It really was just a one-sided conversation, which now I cringe at because I'm like, ugh. Um, But it was seeming to really help people. So while I was in my head, I was also living out loud and figuring out out loud. And then it was at about... 29 where things kicked into high gear in the internal friction and all the internal quandaries were urgent. I found a really good friend who offered a lot of insight and we traveled right before COVID started. So it was 2020. Um, 
we traveled to Mexico and it was just this like girls trip. <clears throat> we did tarot and we danced and just talked through everything. It was like a therapy retreat for all of us. And coming back is exactly the week that the world shut down. So all of a sudden I lost my job. The spin studio obviously is the number one place you don't want to go. Everyone's like breathing out of their mouth and COVID's all over the ground. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, it's not so funny, but the way you said it. It was. I know. COVID oh, just God. laying on the ground, rolling <laughs> around, doing cartwheels. <laughs> it's everywhere. Um, So lost my job. And then I was renting this amazing home in Portland at the time uh, with my partner and my son. And our landlords were like, hey, guess what? We're going to move back in. They were like professional Frisbee golfers, um, which is like the widest thing that one could do. <laughs> professional uh, Frisbee golfer. But they were like, we're on tour and we got to come home. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and we got to come home. So you're out. And we were like, what do you think Where Frisbee golfer groupies us? look like? Oh. <laughs> do those exist? <laughs> I like to think do they those do. exist. Like They've got they it. People who, if they're on tour, there's an audience. <laughs> yeah, this is a great are, mental they're exercise. They're on a stage. Yeah. <laughs> they're on a stage. <laughs> Everybody knows if you're on a stage, you people want to fuck you. That's Groupies. Like just that's the thing. <laughs> it's inherent. Yeah, yeah, that's a great mental exercise. And I'm going to dive into that later. I'm going to really spend some time with this and I will get back to you for part okay, two great. Sorry, we digress. Okay, okay, so they were like, hey, we're <laughs> leaving tour. We're moving back in. So I'm losing my job. And we have no, at this point, we have no idea the scope of this thing, how long this is. Uh, so I don't know if I've lost my job for a month, but in Portland, I mean, shit was heavy and it was frantic. People, I mean, it was immediately into like Lysoling the groceries and um, excommunicate. It was just so out of hand immediately. That's how it was in, how it was in LA too. Right, yeah, yeah, and LA stayed that way. And I moved mm -hmm. out of Portland shortly thereafter, but it, they really, I mean, it just, it seems like pretty recently that things have been kind of put it, getting put back together in some sense of normalcy, but um so I was losing everything. It was just all the dominoes were like all falling. I was 30 and my, my ex and I, uh, Max, who's the father of my son, who was my longtime partner. We were together, you know, for the better part of 10 years, we had done a lot of growing up together. Amazing human being, uh, who we now co-parent together. But anyways, we also split in that time. So all of this was happening. Just like I said, the whole life cup was like out and no, there was no amount of thinking that could have produced any results. Luckily, I was also wrapping up my hypnotherapy program at that time. So I was in 10 hour days of schooling. So just deeply engaged the material and so hopeful and like excited and invigorated and getting all this insight and going in school, we were going to hypnosis every day, which is the most beautiful thing one could do. So it was all like, it was so chaotic and um, so turbulent, but also there was this like weird trust, which I think, I think the word faith might apply to it. Cause it was this like inherent trust that things, are moving to a better place 
but the word faith is kind of fraught for me. Did so anyways, you start hypnotherapy school before or after COVID or like, when did you start? I guess this is before COVID. Oh, okay. 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 Got it. So that, that was all happening at once. Uh, so we could, you know, we were going through the whole rigmarole of like trying to get a house and it was a mess and nothing was, nothing was happening in Portland. Like everyone, you know, our income had virtually stopped. So there was nothing, it was just a fucking mess, dude. Um, and then we're like, you know what? I think we need to go back to Florida for a year. We'll pack all the stuff into storage. Let's do Florida for a year. And then we'll come right back and pick life back up when all of this is stopped. Because if we're going to Florida, we A, have our family, both of our families. B, if we have to be socially distanced and isolated in our house, we can do it outside. We have the beach. We have everything we need. We can form a little bubble. This will be way healthier in Florida. So Max was all for that. And I kind of was too, but I was also kicking and screaming because part of me was like, if we go to Florida, we're not going to leave. And first, I don't know if you can relate to this, but one, I like was dying to get out of Florida. And once I did, I was like, I'm never going back. Fuck Florida. Like it, I just, I hated it, which is wild, but so we went back and I came back and we moved into, you know, I moved back in with my parents into the house I grew up in. And I was going through, you know, being a single mom for the first time and we're co-parenting. So that terminology, I'm like, am, am I a single mom or am I co-parent? I don't know. I don't really care either, but that's what we were doing. So trying to get used to being back in the house I grew up in, trying to raise my kid in the house with my parents and also starting my hypnotherapy practice all virtually. And I've never, I never thought I was going to own a business. So I'm like, what am I, what am I doing? What is marketing? What is all of this? Um, having to get insurance. Luckily I have so many people who like rose up in that time, close friends who like one of my best friends is like a brand designer and just is so, so incredible in what she does. And so I had this support that was coming up. It was just all happening and even talking about it. I'm like, what a shit show. It was just so chaotic. Um, and eventually it was like, you know what? We're doing this. I was working through a lot of anger. I came back and I had so much anger. I was unbearable to be around Becca. Like I think back to those interact. We have some, I had some friends here that I had known from before. And I remember he, I can just like think back to what I was saying. And I was like on some West coast high horse of like, uh, just absolute bullshit and anger. And I needed to like process a lot of that and unpack all of that. I was crying a lot and feeling a lot of guilt. And I would go on these walks at night. So I would put Theo down. He was like three and a half, four when we first got back to Florida, I would put him down to sleep at night and I would go for a walk like outside of my parents' neighborhood and like just take off. And I was like, get, for some reason, I was very late to the Mac Miller train. And he was like him and Moses Sumney. We've also been huge music people forever. So I know you can relate to this. There were like albums in that time that were my therapy. So it'd be like headphones on and just take off and process shit. And there were some walks where I was just bawling and there were some walks where I was like skipping and I was like my heart was like bursting it was so much at once and then everything started to happen it was like 
got an apartment, got a car, met someone via Tinder, which go I had missed the boat for like online dating until that point. So I was really excited to do Tinder and all that stuff and explore and like meet new people and try the online dating thing. So I met accidentally how it usually happens very quickly, like a month after moving back to Florida, maybe a couple months after moving to Florida, met someone who's living three hours South. And it was just like, yes, all of this. Yes. There at that point, once I moved into my apartment, I was like, everything is great. Everything is happening for me. I was getting calls daily for hypnotherapy. I was booking like three, four sessions a day immediately, which who does that? I, so marketing, not knowing what marketing was, I didn't have to worry about that, which what a fucking gift. Um, so it just took off. So then there was no more overthinking. It was just all in doing and um, being with people and living in somewhere by myself for the first time in my life, getting to decorate a whole space on my own and inhabit it and like dance every night, just everything that came out of that tumultuous time was like this whole, everything was up-leveled. And now if I'm, so that was about three years ago. And now I'm feeling another rebirth, which I'm talking a lot. I this is exactly this is exactly what the podcast is. You talking oh, okay. and I listen and I will I will I will ask my questions that I've written down when you're done. This is this is about okay. you, baby. <laughs> this is all about you, baby. This is exactly what it is. Keep going. Cool. Um women, I was thinking about this a lot last night, how women go through we go through an entire year. We go through four seasons every single month. And every year breeds so much growth and there's so many opportunities for rebirth within that. But springtime is springtime is that it's rebirth. It's when we're like these little seeds that have been buried under the ground, all of the fresh life is starting to burst through, which for me is really uncomfortable. And I get into early and mid spring for me are always like, full of internal friction and I start to go up into my head again and I'm like what's what's happening and this year I've noticed that in something within the past couple of days I'm like this is what this is I can recognize that and no I'm not going to navigate it with complete grace and I don't expect that of myself I'm not going to hold myself to these standards of perfectionism which I think I've uh in the past fallen into that trap of like perfectionism now I'm like it's okay if it's messy. It's okay if you talk to people about it. I've been more honest with the people in my life this past month than I've ever been ever in my entire life. And it's really uncomfortable. Um, but in doing so, I've been loved deeper. I've felt more in love with all of my friends, with my uh, partner. And I'm just learning through it. And even being really honest with my parents, I met up with my dad last week. We had lunch and we hate to stress our parents out. We hate for them to see us stressed. I think generally we want them to be psyched about our life and we want uh, we want to be successful and we want them to be alive when that happens, you know? So I opened up to my dad about just, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Mm. Like the pressure gets so heavy sometimes and this is one of those times it's something is cracked open, like I said, and just kind of started flowing 
within since then but before that it's just the pressure of like if i don't figure this rubik's cube out i'm the sole provider am i gonna have to move back in with my parents like all the things that i've worked so hard it's like i want my trajectory to be on the steady up and I need to recognize at the same time, or as, as often as I can recognize that, and this is such a cliche platitude, but growth isn't linear. Like there's going to be times where it's like, yes, we've been for the past three years, we've been so aggressively tracking up. And it's okay if that's not the next 70 years is straight up. It's okay if you like level out for a bit and have an opportunity to reassess and to re-envision, is this working? Like, is this still my definition of a rich life? Is this, um, how's my anxiety? How's my friend group? Like just to really pick apart all the pieces of the pie and um, gauge where they're at and gauge where I wanna take them, which is a lot of work. And when you're overwhelmed and stressed, it's hard to dream. And it's hard to sit down and do that work because it's not productive. Ooh, so now I've reached this. And again, I think it's because of where I'm at in my monthly year, like what cycle, like last week was winter. It was hard. And now I'm in this kind of like spring new life. Okay. Fresh ideas, a little bit chaotic, but what if we open to these ideas? Let's give some time so that we don't have to be productive right now. We just have to kind of get to know ourselves. That was incredible. I have so many questions. Um, <clears throat> my first question is a very probably stupid question. Uh, there are no stupid questions, but you know no what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So like obviously seasons of our month, we're talking about our cycle, but I've never heard it talked about in seasons like spring, summer, fall, winter. Can you explain mm. that to me? And oh. like, what do you mean when you say like last week was winter, this week is spring? What does that mean? Yeah. Uh, so women's cycles is four weeks, right? Right. A year is broken up into four seasons, right? So if you think about uh, the phases of our cycle in terms of seasons of the year, and this is something I like to do, my brain likes categorizing mm. things. And I... I found a lot of this in like practicing Qigong and Chinese medicine, all these things. It's like this season correlates with this vital organ and this color. Uh, and here's what you're needing. I do really well with that. So I think of my cycle segments as seasons. So if you're using menstruation, like your bleed week as mm -hmm. winter. Oh, okay. So that's winter. Correct. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So this like shedding, right? Which maybe it's fall. Don't quote me on this. If you're a hormonal person and you live by your cycles, uh, don't yell at me. <laughs> your <laughs> I fall feel like, is my winter. Thing. I feel like my, yeah, because the week before my period is like all hell breaks loose for me, which I think Correct. I might have like PMDD or I don't know. Um, but yes. like it is. I feel like a I'm I'm a different person. Like I am not the same person. Mm. And I feel like it's getting worse as I get older or more noticeable, I guess, as I get older. 
don't know what to attribute that to. But like, yeah, the week before my period, I'm just like, yeah, a different person. That's the only way I can describe it. Becca, same. It's, so is that fall or winter? That's a great question. I don't know. Um, let's, what do you call it? In my head right now, I called it winter. Mm-hmm. But I think the transitional seasons, fall and spring, I think tend to have, uh, there's less clarity. Like winter, it's clear if right. you think about like what we're what we're naturally driven to do, like cozy up create like this sacred little um nourishing cocoon for yourself inside during winter everything's bare um so maybe that would be I don't know yeah that makes sense to me do you feel like so you feel like the week before your period is when like your all hell breaks loose okay 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 and like I'm... have you ever like done any um like testing of horror I'm interested in this because I haven't done any of this but I'm like should I like I've never tested like my hormone levels or anything like that and like I'm not on any birth control because that fucks me up but um like have you have you done any like exploring in terms of like your hormone levels or things that are helpful or not helpful in terms of like the week before your period that's a great question I have not. I haven't gotten my panels. Uh, I think maybe that happened Me before in life, but I not at a point where I knew anything about that or knew what to do with that information. I think that'd be a really great thing for all women to probably go through at this point because women being a therapist, right? I work with a lot of, I work with men too, but a lot of women and women are in it right now. Really? I've heard this, I've heard the same story from almost 100% of these women is that as they age, the the turbulence of their mood within their cycle is getting more and more dramatic and more mm. noticeable and harder to kind of regulate. We're all, that's the hard thing is that we're all trying to regulate. We're all trying to find uh, this way to predict how we're going to be and to manage it and have it in a way where we can show up to work, which this is getting into just like the the work day, the American work day, and it goes beyond America. This is pretty much worldwide, but the work day is based around men's cycle, which is like men wake up and they get this huge hit of cortisol and they're up and they're like full of vim and vigor. And they, uh, their best, most productive hours are first thing in the morning, give them a cup of coffee. And they're like, go until, you know, five ish when they start to drop off and it's that mellow out. Whereas women are way different. We don't wake up with that same huge dump of cortisol. We wake up and we're a slower thaw. It takes us longer to kind of ease into our day. We need a soft landing into the day. We need time to do our things, journal, um, slowly drink our whatever morning beverage and move our bodies and then start to engage. Our most productive hours are more towards 11. So- we're trying to navigate this and we're trying to fit ourselves into this frame that the whole world is running on that we just can't it's this is again really cliche but it's trying to fit a circle into a square a circle into a square peg or whatever that yeah um it's just really it's really really challenging if you're working for someone and not not creating your own schedule and even as an entrepreneur even as someone who sets my own schedule um there are working hours, you know, I don't want to be 
providing sessions. And I did this for, I, my practice has been open for three years now, but in the first year I was like, you want to do a Saturday session? Great. Let's do it. You want to do a session on mother's day? Great. Let's do it. Oh, you live in Japan and you want to do a session at 8 PM my time. Great. Let's do it. And I'm glad I did because I learned, like I learned to be flexible and I uh, was able to be with people that otherwise, you know, if I would have turned them down, then who knows. But at this point, I'm like, I don't do well. I'm My brain's not going to be online at 8 p.m. So, and I also really value my Saturdays and my Sundays and I'm not going to work on Mother's Day anymore. Yeah. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, typically work when I'm traveling and dependent on that, but we learn a lot. So working back to cycles and yeah, kind of trying to navigate that and just the hard seasons in the training world, it's gotten it's gotten really beautiful for me to work with female personal training clients where it's like, this is your push week. You're ovulating, you're full of energy. You're like, this is a good week to go heavy in our workouts and to see what's possible. And then whereas menstruation weeks, I'm like, this is a week for light, either body weight or light weights. This is a good week for walking, for yoga, for more gentle, for rest. Uh, I really like to obey our cycles. Yeah. But like, I've never had, I mean, granted, I think I've had like a personal trainer one time in my, for like one period of my life, but like, I've never heard in like a group class in, in, in private, even in private class, I've never heard anybody talking about my cycle and the things that are, that feel good to my body in which time of the month. Like, that's just not something mm. that I don't think that's common to be talked about in a gym or fitness area um so your clients are very privileged and lucky to have somebody who is uh knowledgeable and cares enough about the body which is like yeah no shit like that's of course you care about the body that's like part of your profession but I feel like so much of that is overlooked and it's probably because it's based around like men right like they don't have to worry about that so it's not talked about Mm -hmm. in terms of fitness like your cycle and what time of the month because like that's not normal for dudes um so yeah I guess I I just I wish more uh fitness instructors would tie that in to what they're teaching you know wow yeah thank you for that reminder I'm so in my own world and I I forget what the rest of the world is like and I forget that not every trainer is doing something I'm just you know how you get so used to whatever you're preaching and it just becomes so normal uh in group fitness settings that being talked about feels so beautiful and grants so much permission that's a that's a totally different beast to take on a large group or whatever the size of the class is a lot of people at once which are probably mixed genders and people right. from all different backgrounds so it's kind of it's it can be difficult to cater to everyone however women are more prone to enter a group fitness setting so taking that into accountability and saying something like just t- even just touching on that mm-hmm. everyone wants to move cohesively everyone someone's going to be the set point for the class and everyone's going to try to work as hard as them if you give everyone 
the permission to tune into their own body and to shut out that person and even the people next to them, what they're doing is what they need to be doing. What do you need to be doing today? Do you need to be working as hard as you possibly can? Like, do you have all this energy in you that wants out? Do you have all this heat that wants out? Or do you want to close your eyes and move at your own pace and not resist? Like how much uh, dis-ease does that cause to resist what's happening? Oh, we further it so deeply. And that breeds all these like inner quandaries and these contractions that become so habitual. And when we, we find this in hypnotherapy a lot, when people I work with, almost everyone I work with reports that they're experiencing either chronic anxiety or acute anxiety, situational anxiety, things like this. When we start to enter the body, because anxiety lives in the body, all emotions live in the body. When they're in hypnosis and I say, where is that? Where's that concentrated? Where do you feel that? When they do, it's so full of insight. It's, I mean, there are historical places where certain emotions are captured and held and concentrated, but wherever they say, whether it's gut or chest or throat, it's like, what's happening? What does it look like? Is it, um, is it tight? Is it sharp? Is there a color? It just ends up being this coagulation of like contraction around that. So throat is a big one for people. So just giving the suggestion of hypnosis, relax your throat, relax it again, relax it again and again and again and again and again, wherever the contraction is happening, we find so much there. And, and I, I, I just see so many people in group, anything, whether it's group fitness or, um, group yoga, anything group related where we're trying to match and we're trying to speak the same language as everyone else. And it's kind of an act of defying your own rhythm. Yeah. I mean, I do the, the, I do Pilates and the class that I take is actually only two people in a class. It's me and one other person. So it's like wow. a very small set. Yeah. It's like, uh, my neighbor actually has like a Pilates studio that she's like built out and it's just two reformers and her, and even when it's just two people, there's still the like the the feeling of when they're going faster or when they're not modifying a move or whatever. The the um, inherent want competition to be like, yes. And then having to remind yourself like that's not like that's not my business. Like what they're doing mm. over there is not my business. I need to keep like my eyes on my own paper, like on my body and what <laughs> I need Uh and but it's hard we it's, I feel like you know our I can only speak for like the U.S. because I'm just naive to how the rest of the world functions in like a work environment but like it's hard not to blame capitalism for pretty much everything <laughs> like this like overworking this competition these hours like mm. all of it you know Absolutely. Also, I do think there is such thing as healthy competition. And I'm a competitive person. I'm like naturally athletic and I love that part of it. There's something that's inherently motivating about doing things with other people. And it does, it can bring out like elevated sides of ourselves, but that has to be observed. Mm. Is this healthy? Does this feel good? Is this healthy competition? Um, and also that's your own personal definition. I'm not going to define what healthy competition is for you, but if it's a kind of competition that's blocking you from your global community, which could just be the other person in your Pilates class, or it could be all of the 49 other people in spin class or, um, 
whatever other group setting you're in, if it starts to turn into a me against them thing and you feel kind of, I was going to use the word ugly, but that's not, maybe not the right word. But if you just start to feel like not good feelings, mm -hmm. then that's a thing to pay attention to. Also, your Pilates situation sounds extremely ideal. Oh yeah. If you, if you ever come to LA, you would, you would love her, Juliana. She is, she holds like once a month she does um, song circles. So it's like a group of women outside and she has, I don't know what the instrument is called. It's like a, she's taken classes on how to lead group song, but they're like, they're not hymns, but they're like group. What is it called when they're like in the, like in the round where like one group starts and then the next group goes and it's like, I don't know. Harpsichord. Is that a thing? Is that an instrument? I don't know. Yeah. Harpsichord is an instrument. Uh, I cannot think of the thing where, like, but it's I like, know where, like where if this is a stupid example, but if it's like, if I start like row, row, row yeah, your boat, and then you go row, row, row your boat, it's not row your boat. It's other songs that are like very beautiful and spiritual and like very connected oh, to nature, but wow. it's like a group of women singing in group in harmony together. And it's, oh. you, you would truly love it. It's very, very magical. Um, so she does stuff this. like that. Yeah. She does stuff like that. In, in addition to like her Pilates, you would love her. Um, yeah. All of this, this is why I, I just think in a lot of ways, the West coast, the West coast just has so much happening. Like that, that's not happening. Right. In Florida. Yeah. yeah. Contrary to popular belief, we don't have <laughs> a sacred, you don't have sacred um, song circles. Ro 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 circles. <laughs> With Ron DeSantis. He doesn't do that. What? <laughs> What a surprise. What a shock. Uh, wow. uh, I digress. We can't talk about Ron DeSantis. I know. Because it was upsetting. Yeah. yeah. It was, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm fucked upset. Up, fucked up our flow and upset you by mentioning Ron DeSantis. <laughs> An absolute uh, buzzkill. Uh, also, I feel like with fitness, and I mean, with everything, but since we're talking about fitness, um, it is, it can be like a barrier to entry when people feel like they're not in shape enough to take a class. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've had friends be like, oh, I can't go to Pilates because I'm going to look stupid because I'm not in shape. I need to let me go to the gym and work out a little bit and then I'll come to Pilates. And right. like, I hate hearing that because it's like, man, what <sighs> has society like ingrained in you to where you think you have to first like get in shape to go to a fitness class. You know what I mean? To participate. I know Becca. It's, um, it's really sad. And anyone who has gone to anything for a first time, I am so eternally proud of. I also experienced that as a fitness person moving back to Florida. I've for the past couple of years, I've just worked out by myself, like didn't join a gym, didn't go to group fitness classes, didn't do any of the things because for the first time I was able to um, reclaim all of that for myself. And I was finding it so fun to just do my own programming, use my own kettlebells, my own dumbbells, resistance bands, and just like move in ways that feel uh, good and healthy for me. That was so beautiful. And then it got really boring. So I was like, okay, we need to shake this up, which has been recent. That's like within the past, uh, six months and went to like a gym It was like tighten up fitness or something. And <laughs> I was so scared, like legit scared. And I was like, this is so valuable to be feeling this right now, but it doesn't change the experience that I 
want to bail completely. And then I showed up and I felt, uh, I get shy. I'm not shy in general, but I felt so shy. I was like, I feel like I wore the wrong thing. I feel like I'm not strong enough to be here. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I don't even know where to go. Like, I don't know where to stand. And it was mortifying. And then during the whole workout, I was just like, I felt like I was in over my head and I walked away being like, wow, it really is a miracle that anyone is able to do anything for the first time. Like there's, there's advantages to certain workouts where it's like, uh, you know where to go. You're greeted at the door, like boutique fitness studios. It's like, you're greeted at the door. If it's a spin studio, the spin studio, they're like, let me guide you into this very dark room where you can hide anywhere. And I'm going to set a bike up for you. And then you're going to sit on your bike and you're just going to listen to what to do. There's something really comforting about that, but even entering that environment, good God. Yeah. It's intimidating. And then the yeah. class starts and everyone's in sync and they know what they're doing. And it's just hard. It's hard to start things. Mm -hmm. Also, when you have like one bad experience with an instructor, it like, like I'm a, I've been doing Pilates multiple times a week for like since 2019. So like I'm pretty used to the flow of it and everything. But even like I went to a new studio just to try, um, just to try something new and the teacher, like, I was like, I can't believe you guys want to do this. Like, she was, like, so annoyed at people who weren't doing it right. And she was like, what did she say? She was like, I'm showing you and I'm telling you. I don't know how uh, how much more clear I can be. And I was like, oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was so wild. And, like, I was like, okay, I'll go back to the studio. Never going to take another class from this specific person again, you know? It's like, no. what the fuck? And, like, I know what I'm doing. And that still was, like, I was still shaken. I'm like, am I doing this right? Wait, maybe I'm not doing this right, you know? Yikes. Like, fuck, man. Yeah. Uh, Pilates is the best. I'm pretty certain it's the best workout. Like, reformer workout, nothing has ever been better to my body. Like I got, I did Pilates consistently in Portland. We had the studio that opened Megaburn. Shout out to Megaburn because they are doing it absolutely right. It's two women who run it and all their classes are just, they're perfectly executed. The instructors are top tier and they're really encouraging. And they play this like music that makes you want to work hard. Music is everything in that set in any workout setting. It's just going to make you work harder. It's going to make you have more fun. It's going to do all the right things. Like people who curate their playlists in that group workout setting and are really mindful of like, we're doing a really hard thing on the reformer. Let's use this song to match up. It's just right. perfect. Um, I did that consistently for three months one summer and I was just fucking shredded and I felt so good. And I was so excited to go every day. But like you said, with a bad, in a bad experience, there's a lot of them out there. And there's a lot of people who are either inadequately trained or they just don't have that, that thing about them where they can be in that setting and help people thrive. It's like, uh, you know, when you get, you yeah. like are eating chicken and you get a bat, you like have one like weird piece yeah yeah like, yeah I'm done with chicken forever yeah yeah it's yeah yeah it's like this is not doing it for me yeah I'm gonna go back a little bit to hypnotherapy why did you choose you were talking about like the different modalities of therapy why did you decide to go into hypnotherapy of of all of the other ones 
Yeah, it's a great question. And it came about so randomly. So I told you about how I had just been in my head overthinking, not yeah. overthinking, but trying to figure out my next move and what branch of therapy I wanted to pursue. Hypnotherapy was not on my radar at all. I had no prior experience with it. I had never had a conversation about hypnotherapy. Uh, and then it came about, I was driving out to a farm in Oregon to pick up soil. I was, <laughs> I was building raised beds. So I found this like cheap soil out at this horse farm that was like an hour and a half away. Uh, and I listened to Dak Shepard's podcast. I think I was just getting into it at the time. And he had had Tom Silver on, who's a prolific, world-renowned hypnotherapist. And I was like, this will be interesting. So listen to that. And the whole time I was on the edge of my seat. Like, are you kidding me right now? He hypnotized the co-host on the show, all these things. And I, I was like, wow, this is so heart-centered and so profound and so effective. And um, it just seemed like such a sharp tool. I have been in and out of talk therapy since I was like 14. And that's a really useful lifelong tool. I hope I'm always in some form of talk therapy. Uh, but this one was like going to see a surgeon where it's like, things are not working or I have this specific trauma or I have anxiety that is absolutely crippling and I cannot keep living like this. Like this is just not sustainable, whatever the case is. It's like you go in and you fucking resolve it. Like you find where it is, you do what's called age regression and you locate the source or the sources usually in your nervous system. Like where did this pattern start? So listening to this podcast, I was like, this is it. And this is how I discovered it. This is through a podcast. This is so perfect. Like the world knew, like it could always find me. It could always like plant these seeds in me through podcasts. So I got home and I, uh, I told Max, my ex right away. I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> I found it. And I like stayed up all that night researching, researching hypnotherapy, researching hypnotherapists. I did all these like online hypnotherapy sessions, all that. And then found, uh, the next morning I was like, I'm going to start interviewing for programs and interviewed with a couple people and just like found who was right for me, who, what program worked with my life. Um, this was crazy, this whole story. And I don't want to downplay it because maybe this will land with someone who needs to hear this. Um, I had no money at the time, absolutely broke you know, we were young and, um, raising a kid and Portland's not cheap. Life isn't cheap. So I had no money. There was no savings. There were no, I couldn't get a scholarship, no grants. Uh, all these things were happening. So the, I was aware of the tuition cost and I signed on talking to the financial, you know, advisor and being like, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this, but I need you to trust me that I'm going to pay for this. And he was like, okay you have until April 24th figured out. So I was like, okay. I applied for a million different credit cards. I applied for loans. I applied for grants. I applied for scholarships. Nothing was coming through. I was getting denied for everything. And Max was like, are you panicking? And I was like, I'm not. I don't know how this is going to happen, but it will. Uh, and 
I had, it was like about a week left until I hit my deadline for having to pay for my tuition and COVID happened. Unemployment came through. I lost my house. So I didn't have to pay rent. Uh, daycare for our son closed down all these little things. A friend randomly called me and was like, this has got to be so hard for you right now. Here's 500 bucks. These little things came through and I was able to pay for my full tuition at the exact like right in the nick of time, taking out no loans, no grants, no credit cards, no lines of credit. There was no, it was just all completely organically paid it in full, which that was one of those things where it's like, this is right. Like this is so energized. This is like flowing. I'm going to follow this. Like I trusted it and it's happening. That was the first time in my life that I've been able to like pull money out of the ether. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. Is when you're talking about hypnotherapy, it kind of reminds me of a modality that I haven't done before, but that people have talked about on this podcast. And I can't remember the acronym for it because there's fucking a million acronyms. Uh, e uh-huh. EMDR. Yeah. Is that the tapping or the, the tapping or the beeping or like the something one? There's like yeah. one where you like talk about your trauma while tapping or while you can uh-huh. be holding a buzzer or something yeah it kind of is it, it is it similar at all to that or am I like way off base here no you're not off base at all I'm sure there's some overlaps I have not done EMDR myself but I have client I've had clients in the past who've tried EMDR oh, okay um most of them who come to me have not had success with EMDR. However, I do know a lot of people who did a lot of deep work with that. And I am highly intrigued by the process because it is like holding panels or your eyes are falling. Yes, or your eyes. Yep. Yeah. Very, very interesting. I think there's got to be some overlap in there with hypnotherapy and EMDR because That's there is, so interesting. I think that is what you're accomplishing by the eye movement thing is I would argue to say that's some form of hypnosis, but I'm not. Right? I think totally I was I I was talking to somebody about it and who did it, and I guess it's like to you kind of are reliving the trauma while the either the eye thing or the beeping or the tapping or whatever is keeping you grounded in this moment, so that you your body mm. doesn't freak out and think that you're back in that moment. It like is processing it while still keeping you safe. And knowing that you're still here, I guess, is the thought process. Behind gotcha. It, which I think is yeah. interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah. There, um, so what works for you in that sense in hypnotherapy is something we call dissociation, which used out of context of hypnosis and hypnotherapy can be perceived as a negative thing. We don't want to dissociate. We want to be in our body. However, in the context of hypnosis and hypnotherapy, and in the case of trauma, um, dissociation is what allows you to approach an old situation from a new perspective and it allows you to change your perception of it because you're you're bringing it on you're grounded in your body and you've chosen to go there i would i don't suggest people go back like in the case of a trauma once i move them into hypnosis i'm not saying okay no go back to that night I'm saying what's happening in your body. This is a feeling you don't like. So where is it? Where is it located? What's it look like? 
And then we do, there's a couple different techniques to do what we call age regression, which is moving back and going back into traumas, old instances, which let's just define trauma right here and now, because it, most people will think trauma and think, um, rape or they'll think molestation as a child they'll think these big big capital t traumas but it's anything that changes your nervous system anything that creates a pattern that negatively affects you so uh the technique most commonly that works for people in hypnosis that i find is affect bridge so you're using that coagulation of emotion that bad feeling which i can i don't even have for most people i don't even have to use the adjectives that they use like anxiety or depression i say that feeling you don't like it's the exact reason you're here today it's the exact reason why you reached out to me here it is it's coming up it's filling your body um here's where it's located we're going to turn this into a tunnel and that tunnel is going to take us back to a previous time in your life where you felt that way so we're learning to move the conscious mind into the back the subconscious and the unconscious are at the forefront so age regression is an act of the subconscious mind we're asking the subconscious mind to bring us back to previous times in your life where this has been present this coagulation of emotion so that's something that's a new skill so i never expect people to get it right the first time but mostly they do. And it's just, we'll usually age regress several times before we get to the initial sensitizing event. But we go, you know, if you're 33 and you're coming to me for anxiety and it lives here, we'll probably regress back to 27 and then 21 and then 20 and then 17 and 11 and then three. Usually the initial sensitizing event is somewhere between one and five. A lot of times it's like three where you feel an emotion for the first time and you have no idea what to do with it. It's like, wow, this is fear. There's a time in your life where you only felt love and safe and secure. That's all. And then pretty quickly, you start to get introduced to like anger and fear and your parents aren't sitting there being like, this is fear. This is what it means. This is an emotion that's being produced by your subconscious to let you know that one of your basic needs isn't being met. No one tells us the language of our emotions. So all of a sudden we feel bad for the first time and we have no idea what to do with it, what it means. It's so, for kids, it's so physical. So they're just like, I feel so bad in my body. How do I get this out? So kids have these like tantrums and they like have these gross expressions of their internal emotions. So it's like stomping their feet and like making fists and banging them, which really is the most beautiful way to do that, to express that. Um, but it's not resolving the issue. It's just, it becomes a distraction. And that's what we get so good at doing into our life. It's feel bad, distract. We all have our modalities, whether it's one that the world deems healthy or unhealthy, which would be, you know, people, it's easy for people to be like, when I feel bad, I drink and the world says that's bad. So I need to stop. Or I say that's bad. It feels bad and it has negative effects on me. Truth. Totally. So I got to replace that. Um, but there, I mean, it's the same as with like people use their relationship with food. Uh, their relationship with movement and exercise, those are equally distractions. And I don't think they're any healthier than drinking or overeating. Like totally. they all have negative consequences. And at the end of the day, they're all just distracting you. You're trying, and it's a beautiful, we can have a lot of compassion because it is completely 
an act of just trying to keep your head above water. Like, I feel so bad and I need to take the edge off this situation. I've seen someone or this is what worked for a parent or a sibling or someone I saw on TV. So I'm going to make a drink and that's going to make me temporarily feel better. And then that stops working for you. And then the next day you notice like all the side effects of your distraction, right? With drinking, it's a certain, you know, weight gain, uh, mental fatigue, all the things that drinking can produce. Whereas like running or like this addiction to exercise has a totally different set of side effects, but they're equally keeping you from resolving what's actually happening in you. And the more distractions we have, uh, the more that inner quandary in that internal friction builds. So then your subconscious is having to produce more symptoms for you to pay attention to the emotional shrapnel that's being added to your body's like dude please please pay attention until we get to the point where we're like circling the drain of a total mental breakdown or panic attack and this is how the i find this really interesting because i'm a person who's dealt with depression the hypnotherapist looks at depression as a fail safe so your body will be circling that drain of total mental breakdown and the subconscious goes dude depression button engage like shut her down, get her in bed. Think of the side effects and the symptoms of depression, like that extreme heavy fatigue where it's like, I have no energy to do anything. I can't even reach out to any, like I can physically do nothing. Your body's like, now can you hear? Like now can you pay attention to what has been like under the surface, just like, begging for your attention this whole time and then we take antidepressants and then the body's like fuck <laughs> another another distraction it just gets so complicated when and it gets to the point where it's all so convoluted that we don't know we don't know well like people most of the people that show up to an initial consult with me are like i don't know what's wrong i just feel so bad and i'm so sick of myself i'm saying the same things all the time nothing is working like, I don't know what's wrong or there's so many things that are wrong. I have this whole laundry list and I don't even know where to begin. I'm like, fuck yes, let's go. Let's just start. And it's so fat. The results are so profound and so rapid. It is session one that people have the veil lifted. The day you start hypnotherapy is like, going right into action in the world immediately responds to that kind of action. It's so profound. Yeah, I need to say, I need to do this because I, I find like recently, like within the past and, and, and it's hard for me really to distinguish the difference between like, oh, I just have PMS or PMDD versus like, oh no, something yes. needs to change. That's something that Ooh. like I'm working on trying to figure out, you know, um, yeah. Because I'm on antidepressants. I've been on antidepressants for a long time. And, like, I really like them. They have really helped me a lot. I also have been going to therapy for longer than I've been on antidepressants, which has also been helpful in trying to, like, get to the root of everything. But recently mm. I've just been like, all right, I'm in therapy. I'm on antidepressants. And something else is brewing. Something's not right. Something doesn't feel right. Um, and, like, the past couple of days I've just been like, man, I'm – depressed I'm usually I'm like on my game and like I know that I am a little bit uh 
I know who I am. I know what I'm like. But recently I've been like, no, this is like a little something extra. Um, so now I'm like, I think I'm going to sign up to do a class do a session with you because yeah, like great insight and like part of me is also like well is it okay to do it with someone that I've known since I was nine like is that bad or that wrong you know everyone in school all my teachers all my mentors everyone has been like do not work with friends do not work yeah. with family who were my first clients friends and family and I continue to work with friends and family to this day those are because I and I've found nothing wrong with it. If you're a hypnotherapist or any kind of therapist and you're listening to this, like wagging your finger at me, you can fuck off because it's been some of the best sessions of my life. Knowing someone intimately and believe I, Becca, I believe so hard in you. I love you so dearly. I want nothing but the absolute best for you. Guess who has that in common? All of my fucking clients. I want nothing but the best for everyone I work with, everyone I see. That's who I am. That's how I show up to my work. That's how I show up to my friends. That's how I show up to my family. There's nothing in here. Now, if it... I've worked with my sister and my mom did a session with me and I won't, I'm not going to work with my parents again. I'm going to say that yeah. because I think it's just too weird for parents to like see you in that role. I don't think parent. I don't know. Can your parents take you seriously as a therapist? I don't know. Um, That's a great I really question. Don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I had. A, I want to circle back to something a little bit later if I remember it. But anyways. No, you can circle back to it now. Like we're at an hour. So we, we oh, yeah. like, I, we might have to do a part two because I have I literally to. a list of questions that we haven't gotten to yet. So if you had something that you want to say just now. Or no. It's not even relevant, but I realized last night I do um, a lot of cool thinking at night when I'm moving my body before bed. And I was like, I'm the first person in my family who's owned a business. I'm the first person who's like been an entrepreneur. And that like just clicked last night. I was like, oh, wow. So I, like that was really inspiring for me to touch into. Anyways, I would, I would really love obviously to work with you but for you to um for you to utilize hypnotherapy with anyone I think would be extremely impactful and fruitful in the case of antidepressants I don't want I'm so glad that you put a voice to that and that you speak openly about that because a lot of us are on antidepressants but again it's symptom control you're managing the symptoms of depression by using an antidepressant. And sometimes that's what you fucking need. Sometimes the everything's too heavy and you need some help just to get up to a baseline. But I have a feeling, you know, that you're and you even said you're in therapy as well. So you know that the antidepressant isn't doing anything for the root cause of the depression. It's just making life more manageable. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So this, we want to solve what, what that's about. We want to really, in the case of depression and the case of anxiety, there's a younger self that's living in you and this kind of languaging, uh, it can tend to lose a lot of people or like cause severe fucking eye roll, but like inner child work, um, inner parenting work, younger self work. It's just a fact that there were so many younger versions of you who dealt with things that they were I don't want to say ill-equipped because the world doesn't expect three-year-olds to be equipped to manage 
any kind of trauma or fear even, um, or separation. But if you're three and something causes you to feel separated, you're not equipped for that. So that's creating a pattern in you that gets taken forward and unresolved over all these years, creates all these limiting self stories. So we turn into this like harsh critic of ourselves, and we just feel this constant separation. Um, and the world certainly doesn't support that right now. Everyone is overstimulated. Everyone is overthinking, it seems like. Everyone I work with is like, dude, I'm just like living in my head. And as much as I try to like be in groups and be in conversation, there's just this like negative conversation that's happening at all times. It's like, cool. That's great insight. There's younger selves that live in you that need attention and need you. Because if you approach your younger self, you're coming in with all of your life experience, all the knowledge and the insight and the wisdom and the compassion. You're the only one who knows what you went through every single day, every single moment of your life. Whether you're a mom or not, a parent or not, you know exactly what that younger version of you needed, whether it was to be held, whether you know exactly what kind of words they needed or space, and you can provide that. Once you're in hypnosis, it's like this weird time vortex thing where the sessions are 90 minutes, they're pretty long. Um, but while you're in there, it's like all of time stops and you get to just do this, like the most important thing. Nothing else needs your attention right now. Just attend to the little one. Take as much time as you need. If they want to be held, hold them. You learn how to bathe and like apply and pour your love into them when they needed it most. That's happening in you. You and three-year-old you are the same person. So you getting to practice pouring love into them and also feeling that love be received. It's who it is like some of the most beautiful work I've ever done. And in yeah. school, we got to work with a recent graduate to go through our own hypnotherapy sessions. So I tackled something that I thought I always had to live with. And I don't, um, I don't particularly want to get into that because that's a whole like part two and three and four. Um, <laughs> however, I went through five sessions with her and that could not have been better timed. And it has changed my life in ways that I didn't know. I didn't know that trauma was affecting every part of me the way it had been yeah 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 Oy. yeah um god this has been wonderful i, I want to ask like two more questions if you yeah. have time um, absolutely what is more of like a uh what do you do in your day to make sure that you feel the best you can in that moment I know you mentioned like you journal sometimes and you move your body, but like, what are like some tangible things that people that works for you that maybe would also work for somebody else? Hmm. If you can find a way to stay close to your own rhythm. And when I think about feeling the best, it's really just a matter of, do I feel like myself? Mm. Um, so for me, that looks like, a lot of different ways. And again, it's highly dependent on what season I'm in, what cycle, what part of my cycle I'm in. Uh, a lot of the times it's slowing down. I'm a really like lean forward, engage, like talk with my hands kind of person. But when I can sit back and 
speak from that place, that helps me feel like myself. So if I'm in a session and I notice that I'm getting forward, I sit back. That's really nuanced and specific. Um, Mm. Actionable items that I know I have to do every single day um, that lead to me feeling like myself are moving my body. A lot of times that's strength training in some, it's, I mean, it just has to be a significant part of my day moving. That's the one thing I've struggled with from moving from teaching spin classes and being a fitness person full-time to a hypnotherapist is this is my first desk job ever. So I'm sitting down a lot and it's had a wild effect on me and my body. Um, But to counter that, it's a lot of movement for the rest of my day. I ride my, my son and I ride our bikes to school and then ride to pick him up. And I go on walks. Um, I do this thing. I've had more and more in-person clients here. Uh, so I added walking consults to my website for booking and it's one of the best things I've ever done. So instead of like sitting here over zoom or on the phone for consults, we go on walks and I'm like, wow, everyone benefits from that, including me. So moving my body is big. Journaling every day is a thing for me. Um, Cause like I said, I have that tendency to go up into my head. So when you go up into your head, when you're overthinking, you have to get out of your body. So it's like that pen to paper journaling movement. And then I'm a meditator, but that always looks different. Sometimes that's like really traditional meditation where it's like sitting down in silence and uh, learning how to concentrate again, every single day, relearning how to concentrate every single day. Uh, Lately, meditation has been a lot harder for me because I have been overthinking and I've been really sick of myself. So I've been like, this has got to look different. This has got to look like me either following guided meditations or doing walking meditation. Or I have some friends who I consider our conversations uh, like conversational meditation where it's like just, I mean, even this, I consider this so much that it's like, I'm just focused on this right Mm -hmm. here nothing else has my attention that's meditation yeah totally totally okay that's all very helpful and then if someone is experiencing a low season right now or a depression a a funk whatever label you want to put on it isn't feeling their best selves and doesn't just isn't feeling great. Maybe they've experienced something really hard or maybe it's just they're having a fucking day. Do you have any advice that you would give to that person or that maybe something that you wish someone said to you when you were experiencing that? Mm. There are a lot of people in a lot of pain right now. And there are a couple circuits that can't fire at the same time in your brain. Two of those historic circuits are hope and fear. So if the fear circuit is on, hope cannot be on. And fear would look like just that sense of internal doom and dread that you can't fucking figure it out right now. You cannot piece the Rubik's cube together. You're completely overwhelmed. If overwhelm is present, you're likely in a state of fear, um, which makes it impossible to dream and to get excited. So we need to find a way to turn the fear circuit off so that you can get back into hope, which is where your energy lies. That's like your wellspring. If you can 
And there are so many platitudes that can awake the inner critic. And I think a lot of people think that they can use willpower to will themselves out of a tough time that has never, never worked for me. I have never pushed myself into beautiful change. It's all been through how am I fighting this and how can I release that fight, which sometimes is simultaneous. So if you're someone who's seeking right now, like how can I let go of the fear? Sometimes you have to let yourself, if you're stacking all these things up, like I'm working out, I'm doing the meditations, I'm taking the magnesium, I'm cold plunging, I'm sauna sitting, I'm journaling, I'm going to therapy and nothing's working. Are you letting it work? Can you sit back and let it work? Maybe this is working. Or are you so frantic that you're doing all these things and they're kind of keeping you in that frantic space. Like, what if you did less? What if you tried easy? Which again, if you're in an overwhelmed state and you're listening to me, you're probably like, fuck off. There's no try. There's no time to try easy right now. Um, that can sound like a really privileged statement to try easy. But I want you to know that I can relate to that state. And I go in and out of it a lot of like complete overwhelm. What the fuck am I doing? Like, how am I going to make this work? And there will be something that, and honestly, it's unpredictable where it's going to come from, whether it's from a podcast or honestly, sometimes it's a TikTok that someone sends me or that I stumble on. And it's just like, ah, or sometimes it's just getting to the next day. And my hormones have done something to click into a place where I can feel okay again. I think there can be this like re a lot of reframes though if you're in a place where you're just low low where if you can just notice like am i more focused on what's going wrong what if i focus on what's going right and if there's not a lot going right can you find one thing in your day that was just like a momentary reprieve what if i focus on what's going right and instead of focusing on what's the worst that can happen what's the best that can happen I signed up for a free hypnotherapy consult and I don't even know if I can continue sessions because there's so-and-so amount of money and I have so-and-so amount of money, but I signed up for the consult. What's the best that can happen? I don't know. Reframes. Powerful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Try them. Put yep. something into action. Reframes. That is something that I've talked about with many people on this podcast and that mm -hmm. have been very helpful for a lot of people's reframes, which are hard to do in the moment. Um, it's definitely they a are. practice. It is. It's really manual at first mm -hmm. and it's like a fake it till you make it thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much. I'm sorry that I went over our hour, but I could just go on and on talking with you. Um, still have pages of things that I didn't get to ask. Uh, so <laughs> probably have to do a part two. Um, but right. thank you. Thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. It's very clear that you've spent a lot of time thinking about others, thinking about yourself, thinking about how you can be the best version of you and help others be the best versions of them. And it's a gift. And we are so lucky to have you walking amongst us on this planet. Hmm. You have so much to offer the world, Becca. And I'm so thrilled that you are. Do people call you Becca or do they call you Rebecca? No, you have, you're the first person that's called me that since, I don't know, 10, 15 years. 
Wow. Oh yeah. No one, Re- no one calls me that, but I obviously you're allowed to. Oh, interesting. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, thank you so much for having me on. And also you're so articulate and just your presence is incredible. Thanks. I love you very much. I love you so much forever. That was Kira Campbell. She is a board-certified hypnotherapist, personal trainer, and yoga instructor. You can find her socials in the episode notes. Thanks again for listening. New episodes every Thursday.